Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea Podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because, frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. Tea guys. That's different. I don't know what the tea guys are. Tea guys? We're the tea guys. Well, apparently we no. are. Uh, no, guys drinking tea. no, we're not tea guys. We're just plain old guys yeah, drinking, drinking tea. tea. The, the tea is the star of the show. Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea Show. Yeah, I'm drinking Earl Grey today. One of the things I love about this show is that we it's almost like uh, we're already in the middle of a conversation mm-hmm. and then we just hit record. And I love the fact that we're wearing matching shirts. <laughs> yeah, how'd that happen? <laughs> um, well, today on this show, we're going to be reviewing a little bit of um, last week's, uh, or this last Sunday's sermon. Yeah. And, and you got a week off, so I mean, you have I no did. clue what we're talking about. I have about no idea what we're talking like, about. So you could tell me. i preach my sermon directly at you. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to just be hearing Alex preaching again. Oh, interesting. That seems like very loud in one ear. Is it loud in one ear and not the other? That's very strange. Yeah, I have no clue what you're talking about. Our little know? audio meter. Look, it's oh, like yeah, really yeah. loud on one side and really quiet on the oh. other side. Did that? Oh, look at that. Is that panned? Strange. You're using technical terms that are a mystery to me. Yeah, indeed. Someone asked me to turn the lights on in the worship center earlier. I was like, oh, I can do that. I know how to do that. Yeah, That's it's brilliant. one of the few technical things I know how to do. When I I knew I was in trouble at a church, I was helping pastor once when someone came up to me in the middle of the service and said, like, you're the lights guy. You know most about the lights. I'm like, if I know most about the lights, we are in deep trouble. We've done something terribly yeah, wrong. Something's gone awfully <laughs> wrong. That's funny. <laughs> so in this week's show, hopefully our audio doesn't isn't terrible right now. I apologize if it is. Um, it seems like every week for the last month, at least, Since there's been this office, something. This office must be, I don't know, it's like anti-technology yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I had all my systems worked out. Freshly painted, but anti-technology. Yeah. We're going to be talking about hope, about doubt. Mm. And well, that, that doubt maybe it, does yeah. Jesus doubt things? Yeah, We're going to be talking about a rabbit um, trail. We're about to get very Alice in Wonderland. We're going down the rabbit hole. But something I didn't tell deep. you before we started, we <laughs> also have to revisit the week before. Because if you don't remember, we skipped last week's oh, um, yeah. stream. And we did have one person ask a question um, from that stream, just so we can touch on it okay. briefly. But then we'll jump into the the rest of the conversation but man i miss doing the show to, aren't you supposed to say something like we had a question from that stream there were loads of them but we selected one is that not supposed to be the there evan- was so many evan- questions evangelical marketing <laughs> <laughs> after we, we had a pile of questions and we just took one off the top and it said something yeah i did miss the. i did miss it though i did miss the uh the, the chatting and the tea that was fun uh, um as you vacationed I'm going to just quick pull up the audio here just enough okay, so that just, we're not just, totally just wasting our, everyone's time. Yeah. That's fine. It sounds great. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. So we had, for those of you there on Sunday at the nine o'clock, you know, we had a hilarious occurrence where I was played again. Like in the, I was on Echo, but it was about a six minute Echo, um, which was very hard to talk through. I will. I will say it was a fascinating experience, uh, but we got through it and the tech team jumped in and fixed yeah, it. Yeah. You mentioned that at the beginning of the message. I, I went back and I managed to oh, listen to yeah, half yeah, of the yeah. message yeah. to try and prep for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you want to do a Maeus? We, we talked the week before. So about here the was the question. So rewind, if you're really hoping to talk about this last Sunday's sermon, uh, just a moment, hang with us. We'll just briefly touch on the question that someone had. The road to Emmaus from the previous Sunday was the road to Emmaus Mm -hmm. text. And um, the person's question was was related to how do you 
stay in hard situations and should you always stay in hard situations? Because yeah. part of what you talked about in that in that message was that they were basically they were checking out. Uh-huh. They were stepping yeah, out yeah, of yeah. the story of Jesus. Yeah. They'd given up hope on this whole story mm-hmm. and they were trying to get away from the epicenter of what God was doing, which uh-huh. was Jerusalem. And then when Jesus encounters them on the road, um, and suddenly he reveals himself, they're like, we're back in. They go, they beeline straight back to Jerusalem and yeah. they're back in the story. The, the question is, what do we do? Uh, should we always stay uh, in a hard situation? And, and what I would say is, I actually did say in the sermon, some stories have to be left. So, so I, 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 but I appreciate in a Unpack whole sermon a around. So, I mean, there's, there's some really quick, obvious examples that you might come up with that you would say, I, I wouldn't want people to hear, oh, you should stay in, a, in, a, in an abusive relationship. Um, mm-hmm. Like that. Like to, to hear someone say uh, marriage is hard and you need to work at it can be heard as when I'm in a relationship that's abusive, that means I have to, that it's my duty to stay. And that, that I don't think is, this certainly isn't what we're saying or I'm saying in that. Um, the, there's, there's places you might be in a business practice with someone who's practicing things illegally. Um, it's time to get out. Uh, so so there's, there's easy certainties. I, I don't know that that's always our, that's that for the most part, that's our thing. Like the, the most of the time, I think we are, we want to get out of stories because they're no longer convenient to us. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, this for me, it felt heavy and it felt heavy because it came very much from a place of this felt personal to me. I feel like I quite easily get into like just one. I'm an Enneagram seven. I want everything to be happy and joyful. So when a moment becomes difficult, that's where my temptation goes. It's like, oh, new story. Let's just start again. I, this is going to sound like a ridiculous example. I, uh, when I was about 17, 18, I was addicted to this, um, this soccer management game. You got to buy players and you got to like have your team and had to try and get them to the top of the league, Soccer. win the championship. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate yeah. that you used our I term. To, I was trying to yeah, speak the language of the natives. Contextualizing for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> football. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I, I regularly would have moments where it wasn't going the league. The season wasn't going as I wanted it to go. So I'd just be like, just going to start a new game. I'm just going to start a new game. Oh, I'll just start a new game. And I'd always go back and just... So that that's the Enneagram 7 in me. I, I want things to be easy. So I think there's certainly stories that you need to walk away from. Um, there's certainly stories that we're tempted to just give up on. Maybe the question was specifically, how do you know the difference? Yeah. And that's, that's a challenge. And, and so I always think, like, I, I, I think in those moments, I just spoke to a bunch of teenagers uh, yesterday at a school down the road and one of the questions they wanted to ask was on dating it's a christian school they wanted to know should you date and i was like wow that's a it's it's a big conversation but but one of my encouragements to them was if you decide you want to date as a teenager find someone you trust to have good conversations with about it someone who's had some experience who's a little bit older don't go to your other teenagers who are all in exactly the same position as you and say, hey, what do you think? Do you think I should date this guy? Because they'll probably say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, go to someone that's actually been through some journeys. And, and if there's a big reticence um, in you that says, I don't want to go and ask other people's advice, well, then that maybe is a little bit of a flag of, well, why don't you want somebody else's advice? Mm-hmm. Um, it's maybe not just because it's, it's an embarrassing situation. It's maybe because you don't want to hear the no, don't do this. You've already kind of made your decision. So, so when there's a story that you feel like, uh, this feels like something to exit. This feels like something to leave. I, I would always hope that I, in that situation, would say to someone else, you know, Aaron, how do you see this? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Um, mm-hmm. There's just a wisdom that comes with that. Yep. And, and I, someone said to me the other day, you use especially the, if you ask me specifically. Absolutely, I'm going to get the palpable <laughs> wisdom of the beard and the gray hair and everything. Just, you like, mean like the hooligan look? Yeah. yeah. So you're like, I, I, you're like, I doubt the wisdom of your whole appearance right now. So I'm not sure I'm going to ask I you. I think if you kept growing it, you could get the Moses type wisdom. That's Moses awesome. was the no Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, so, so I, I think hmm. there's someone, there's hopefully someone in all of us, and if there isn't, that's a good challenge. 
who do you do community with? Yes. Who's your conversation points? Um, I, I very rarely make decisions alone. I, I, I'm trying to think of what decisions I make alone. And usually decisions I make alone are not that great. I've mm. talked a few times in the last year about stock decisions, crypto decisions I've made, and right now they're not looking that good. Let's I, be honest. If you invest at all, there is no right decision right true. now. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's a loser right now. Yeah, yeah. Is there a situation? Which was also, should, yeah, which yeah. was also the opposite over the last few years. Uh -huh. It did. Everyone was a genius in the <laughs> stock market prior to this year. Yeah. It's, is there a situation you should get out of? Yes, investments. Yeah. Um, put your money in a mattress. And hope that everything turns oh, out fine. Oh, man. So I, I just have found historically, yes, almost every decision. I've, I've got somebody that I'll go and ask um, and get their wisdom from. And I would hope if you have people in your lives that you trust, if you're in a, again, to go back to the abusive relationship example, if you go to someone that trust, you trust that, that loves you, you get the wisdom of, okay, you don't stay there. Um you at least distance yourself for a while and make sure there's good counseling and good conversations. I'm not saying that that has to end in a divorce or something. I'm saying it just, there has to be a pause. There has to be a safe space. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think knowing, it's like all things, knowing the distinction between those two, that's a difficult challenge. It is. Thing. So the answer is there's no right answer. Or there might be, there's a, maybe a right answer mm. within each individual situation, but every situation is different. And so that's a hard one. But I think an, e I, an easy answer, an easy definite thing you can do is find a wise voice into it. Yeah, for um, sure. There's, there's almost, I have a feeling there's almost nothing that we go through that should be carried alone, completely alone. You yeah. know, the stuff that you have to carry the weight of, uh, but, but the counsel, the the voice in i'm just i'm not convinced that we're ever wired to believe that we are the only voice into a situation yeah um, and maybe maybe someone will reply and say what about this situation and i'll say yes but even the fact that we're wrestling with exceptions suggests yeah. there's a general rule if you're making a decision why not run it by someone who's fairly wise yeah um, and that and that the part of the reason it is a hard thing is because challenge is a, a necessity for growth. Definitely. And yeah. you, we know that as human beings for a lot of, there's a lot of illustrations of it from uh, all sorts of categories of human existence. If you want to be stronger, you have to put strain on your muscles. And you think if about you want to be healthier, you have to put strain yeah. on your, on your um, body through like diet stuff. Like generally speaking, going the easy way is never a recipe for growth and success but that doesn't always mean and then, then the flip side is there's also like a staying that's damaging yeah and so yeah it's a hard one so it's it's really interesting when you think about the world of, of narrative like i love bringing in narrative elements to from different stories literature how we write all of those different things when you look at almost every book they speak of challenge and then they speak of the success, the challenge is met, but they very rarely tap into the moment after the challenge is met and what happens then. So classic, epic narrative, Lord of the Rings, there is the problem, there is the meeting of the problem, Frodo goes, he gets rid of the ring, spoiler alert. Um, and then the kingdom is at peace, but they never wrestle with what a kingdom at peace looks like. Hmm. Because in a kingdom of peace, usually a bunch of guys sit around getting very bored and then start acting out it's it's almost like the, there's this weird tension that takes explain to everyone, what? Uh, takes i takes bet you know the the this progression um there's like a saying and I, you just like know like literature like crazy and so some, I'm sometimes like a here's a pop quiz yeah, yeah there's like this progression of like um strong men make peace Peace makes weak men. Yes. Weak men absolutely make, make war. war. Yeah. Strong, Strong men. Make yeah, peace. that's the tension. That, is, yeah, was yeah, that yeah. the progression? Something. I mean, I don't know. The exact There's like word a really it. pithy way of saying that. But uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. Uh, you anyway. end up in these weird places. Now, interestingly, we went from Emmaus to Thomas. Yeah. Um, not necessarily in order, um, because it's hard to pick out definite orders sometimes with different riders. Um, but you've got this moment where. Two, two guys, <laughs> potentially a guy and a girl, um, 
there's a bit of ambiguity there. Some people have suggested it's Cleopas and his wife. The other it just person says friend, right? It just says friend. Uh, or just companion. Companion, um, so just, yeah. Yeah, they are walking together is simply the statement. Um, Jesus and most likely, if it was a woman, it would have been his wife. Yes. Most well, likely. Yes, like 100... 99.9%, otherwise, it looks questionable. In that culture. You didn't just go yeah. strolling with random yeah. people. Um, so these guys are leaving the story in amongst their hopelessness. Um, Thomas has similar emotional responses to what's happened. There is a hopelessness for Thomas, but he doesn't go anywhere. I mean, that, that's the yeah, interesting so, thing. Thomas sticks around. So here's my question. We talk, At the beginning, we said that part of the show is going to be talking about hope, hopelessness, and doubt, and all this stuff. Uh, one of the things you talked about in the message was that maybe Thomas gets a little bit of a bad rap. Like, yeah, I think there's he this does, whole, yeah. There's this whole, like... Um, idiom, like language idiom in the Western world that's a doubting Thomas. Yeah. So um, can you paint an alternative picture of Thomas for us? So, so I think the alternative picture, I'm going to use Lord of the Rings again because I don't use it often I enough. I, I don't remember the last time. I used you get it. on these trends, these illustration do, yeah, trends. Illustration trends. But <laughs> there's this bit where, but the, 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 there's this bit where uh, if you watched it in the movies or read it in the book, the, the riders of Rohan, the horsemen come like riding down the hillside and they're like charging in, like yelling death, like, you know, we're going to kill them, but we're probably going to die as well. Uh, mm. Same with the Greek myths of um, the Battle of uh, Thermopylae. Um, I think it's Thermopylae. Uh, the, the 300 oh, yeah, Spartans, the good old battle. The 300 Spartans fight the, okay. um, the 10,000 other Greeks, and, and they know that there's no way, there's no survival. Um, that's Thomas. Th Thomas, when Jesus is going back to, to Judah or Judea, all the other disciples, and maybe even including Thomas, like, this is a really bad plan. We're mm -hmm. definitely all going to... You're certainly going to die, Jesus. They tried to kill you once. There's no way if you do this again, you're not going to die. Um, that's John... That's John chapter 11, right before he goes back to see Lazarus, right before yeah, he goes back to... So you can pull it up. I'm going to pull it up because I want to read it. So keep going. Yes. Yeah, so, the... so, I mean, the, almost the verbatim language is, let us go that we might die with him. Yes. Um, but the other disciples are trying to persuade him. Is Thomas trying to persuade him not to do it? We don't We don't really know. But certainly when he knows Jesus has made up his mind, there's very much just this picture of Thomas that he's like 300 Spartans, riders of Rohan, we're, we're just going. Um, and the, the worst is, is the, wor the, the, the worst is not that I die. The worst is that I don't go with Jesus. Um, yeah. The second worst may be that I die. But if I have a choice right now between leaving Jesus and, and, and death, I'm picking death. Mm -hmm. so, so that's such an interesting, like, so the language I used was the language of ride or die. Um, yeah. That's who Thomas is. He's like, I'm, I'm sticking with you. Um, yeah, so it's, is, this, it's this line, verse 16. Um, let's pull it up here. So, yeah, so they're going to go... And there's all sorts of reasons why going to see Lazarus is dangerous, right? Or this whole th situation. Um, then Thomas, also known as Didymus. It's interesting that his, his nickname's mentioned twice, just which twin. just means twin. Wait, wait, and and yeah. really, it just gives... I, I almost yeah. think, like... I'm not saying the story's not real. I'm just saying that John is, like, good story, bad story. There's a little bit of, like, he's got the, the Thomas in his highlight moment, and then he's going to have Thomas in his negative moment later. So I, I, I'm pretty sure there's some connection going on just in uh in the literature interesting and it's it also can just go to the fact that this kind of detail is just shows that there's intimate knowledge of the actual yeah, story yeah. and yeah, yeah. the people and oh everyone knows the guy named with the nickname Didymus and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah um he said to the rest of the disciples let us go that we may die with him mm, like yeah, he's ready i mean he's just raring to go bring it on yeah he's just like it's just so we ride together, we how die come together. How come doubt, he, Thomas gets the Doubting Thomas nickname instead of so, the, the like zealous, like <laughs> Jesus? Um, like, what Thomas would the, the Spartan. I yeah. don't know. Just, just, <laughs> Thomas the Spartan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, so, so it's an interesting narrative anyway, isn't it? Because we know, and I think I read this part in the sermon, the week before, all the other disciples have not believed until they've seen Jesus. 
there's no practical difference between the experience that's required. Uh, the women have come and said, we've seen Jesus. And the other disciples like, are like, yeah, yeah right. no, crazy. And then they've seen Jesus. Thomas has come in and they've said, we've seen Jesus. And he's like, yeah, right. And they're like, no, no, you've got to believe us, honestly. Uh, completely forgetting. It's that spiritual growth dynamic of completely forgetting where you were. 30 seconds before <laughs> I was in the same place and now I'm so spiritual and so holy. Yeah, now I believe. Yeah, now I believe. How can you not believe? And we do that with so many things. We do that with our approach to things like slavery in America. We can't believe all of these backward nations all over the world still practice slavery. How, forgetting how that could we, they? Yeah, when, when we did it like 100 years ago at best. Yeah. So, so there's, there's this weird human narrative that we quickly look down on people that are behind us in the journey so t thomas only asks for what the others have received but, but you could you could almost i mean i'm gonna play a chunk with the story here but you could almost believe jesus being like it would be lovely if one of them just believed just based on the on the on the, the word of another he kind like of even that, nods yeah, at that at yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, like, exactly, blessed yeah. are the ones yeah. who... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so maybe Thomas is his best shot at that. Maybe, maybe faithful <laughs> Thomas, the Spartan, the ride or die guy, is the best shot at, oh, yeah, Thomas believed and he didn't even have to see me. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but, but regardless, like, he... He's so all in on my, on the Jesus story that he's willing to die. Maybe he's going to be the guy that's uh -huh. qualified to believe without seeing. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't and know. And then you also, like, you wonder if maybe this is the time where Jesus is like, yeah, they're, they're going to need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, because there's, there's definitely gonna need all the other generations, they're not going to see my mm. resurrected body. There's not a chance. They, yeah. they need yeah, some we, help. I got to show if, myself to everyone. If, if even Thomas can't believe without yeah. seeing, they need the Holy that, Spirit. We've talked a couple of times about that show, The Chosen, which is, is just done really well. And I love the way it brings humor into Jesus' language, which I have, I've always kind of read there. Um, and there's the bit where he meets the woman at the well. It's in John chapter four, if you've never read it. And, and she says something like, you know, why isn't everybody talking about you? Uh, and he says, well, you're the first one I've told. It would be really good if you believed me. Like, it's just, it's like, I'm trying this for the first time. Like, just experiment if you one. you could go along with me, this would be great. Uh, so Thomas has this story. And, and I think it's helpful at this point to remind ourselves in amongst the the, the almost legendary speech of John chapter 11 of let's go die with him, almost that, that Spartan level speech. Thomas is maybe 17, 18 years old. You think about how you believed things at 17 and 18, you, you know, think even in our generation, which is probably a chunk different to what he experienced. There is a sense of I, I get into things and I commit fully to things and I, I have moments where I haven't necessarily thought everything through and all of those totally. different things. I've, I've believed with my heart, not my head. I've followed through my gut instinct. Mm. It's not been a cognitive process. When, when we talk about Thomas and doubt, I don't think he's saying something like having looked at the, the, the marketplace of faith, I no longer believe that Jesus provides the best existential hope for a future. Mm. He's saying, I threw everything into Jesus and now he's dead, there's a hopelessness, there's a heart doubt, there's a I can't do this again feeling. So that's we mentioned that at the beginning of the show, that this is one of the things we're going to talk about. And so I want to I, I want to lean in here, because mm. this was part of what this, when I was restudying this passage that really resonated with my heart. So um, it, it hurts to hope. Ah! Hope takes a certain amount of energy. Mm-hmm. And at, especially at this young age, um, hoping in something, especially something as grand as that the Messiah, the savior of the entire world, the one that's going to make everything better is here. It, it takes a lot of energy. And then when it's dashed, um, sometimes it's hard to believe that hoping is worth it. Yeah. I mean, think about almost anything we experience in everyday life like leading teams of people. Like I, I always have this awareness whenever I say to you guys on staff, oh, we're, get, we're definitely going to do this and we're definitely going to make it work. It's fine to say it once, but if it doesn't work the first time and you say another time, oh, we're definitely going to make it work the second time, there's a little bit more of a like, yeah, okay. And then mm -hmm. the third time, people are just like, okay, whatever. 
This is just Alex been Alex. He's just going to say this stuff. But it's harder to believe every time. It's Same with trust, a marriage. Right? If you have a, a husband or wife that has an affair, maybe the first time you believe their apology, but if it's the second time or the fifth time, it's always harder to believe a new narrative. Like it gets harder and harder and harder. The, the, the hopelessness increases. The, the passage that comes to mind is in Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, when you've had hope and it's put off, you didn't get what you hoped for. It just, it's, it gets you right there. It's miserable. Yeah. So is, so if you're out there and you're like, yeah, I, I've actually, my strategy to deal with that heart sickness that Proverbs mm -hmm. talks about is to, when I sense hope rising inside of me, I actually squash it mm -hmm. because it's less painful to not hope in anything yeah. than it is to hope in something again. Wow. If if that's someone out there, totally. I, there's been moments where I've felt that fear. Um, what what do we do with that? Maybe that's part of what's going on in Thomas's life. He's like, if it if Jesus actually rose, then the story isn't over. But if it's all a scam and it turns out he didn't, I'm not even going to let myself hope because then I can't be dashed. Yeah. Again. And, and, and we'll see a little bit of this with the other disciples even after this in John 21. They kind of go back to fishing boats. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're still, they're still playing catch up. Uh, and so you, you kind of like, you read it now, and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you going fishing? Um, and, and if you'd ask them, I guess they would probably have said, we don't know. But it's the only other thing that we know. Um, and, and Jesus is dropping in and out in this wonderful Jesus-like post-resurrection where he's dropping in and saying, like, do, you have any, do you have any fish? Can we have breakfast? It's very, it's very <laughs> interesting interactions. Like, I'm here for a meal, and then I'm going. I actually have friends like that that will come and eat and then ditch. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so there's, there's all of those different elements. Am I elements. one of those friends? No, I'm just <laughs> you, you can see why there's so much emotion there and yet at the same time the continuation of that proverbs passage is um but desire fulfilled is a tree of life so somewhere thomas is caught between that hope deferred makes the heart sick i can't hope again but it's actually only the fulfillment of this desire for jesus to be all that he hopes he is that's going to give him the life that he wants yeah so um, pastorally what what's your recommendation if someone's out there and they've been burned so many times by hope that they've actually trained themselves to just stop believing in big things. Mm. Stop believing that the world could actually be a little bit better. Stop believing that I could actually be in a deep relationship that's satisfying. Stop believing, you name it. Mm. What, what do you, what's your recommendation? So, so I think, I mean, it's, it, and it's an understandable thing. So I, I think my first thought is not recommendations as much as sympathy. Totally, it, yeah. It's uh, the language that comes to mind is the we we have the phrase getting back on the horse, hmm. uh, and it's not that you've, you 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 get into a uh, whether it's a horse or whether it's a bike or whether it's a car whatever it is, skiing theoretically you get into some kind of big accident or something and and it's emotionally difficult to make a decision to do it again. It's not that anything that you know about horse riding has hmm. has gone. It's not that you've lost any of the information. It's not that you've lost any of the muscle memory. It's just this thing and this thing that says, I can't do that again. Um, and so in, in those situations, I think the recommendation is usually like small steps, isn't it? It's what, what's mm. the small steps that you can take? Even actually climbing onto a docile horse after riding stallions and just sitting for a minute and getting off again is actually a helpful thing. Like if you've got to a point that... that in relationships, it's hard to believe there can ever be a good relationship. It actually might be just going on one date is actually a good step in towards believing you can have a conversation with someone. Having a friendship outside of a romantic interest might be, uh, you know, a really good option. If you've started to believe that you can never make a business work, actually getting involved on some level in some small thing uh, and using talents that you know you have again, maybe for the you know, first time since something terrible happened. Just those finding small steps, analyzing what's the small thing that I can do um, and saying, God, I'd love to be able to, I think that desire to be able to hope again is, is maybe the thing to nurture um, because somewhere that's a deep core thing. That, that I would suggest is the thing that 
keeps Thomas there eight days later. Yeah, so it, his... It's almost like he doesn't even believe the words no, that are I don't coming out of his does. own no, mouth. No, I think he's full of it. He's like <laughs> he's hovering just, yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't go to Emmaus. Yeah, he didn't. No, he absolutely. I, I can picture him being there, like you know, unless Jesus turns up, I'll never believe in him again. <laughs> I love that. I love that <laughs> picture. Such so, a better picture of yeah, Thomas yeah. Like, doubting Thomas. It's yeah, actually yeah. Spartan Thomas. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like I do. Like it's oh, I wonder where they could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with your kids. Yeah, yeah. it just yeah, it, it's yeah. That's my, awesome. And my kids do it in reverse. They're like, oh, you'll never catch me. They want to be caught. Um, yeah. So I think there's just something going on with Thomas there that's that keeps him there, that kernel of hope. So, so sometimes, and I don't know what that looks like in a given situation, just mm. sticking around seems like a valuable thing. Even, wh even when I have people come to me and say, I, c I don't think I can do church anymore, whether it's a problem with South, whether it's a problem with the evangelical church as a whole. Mm. And, and I've come to this place where I'm pretty, proudly is the wrong word, pretty contentedly evangelical. Mm -hmm. um, evangelicals are my people, even with all their weirdness and brokenness. And, and, and I say that as someone who has that weirdness and brokenness. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I'll say is just stick around. Uh, someone said to me the other day, how can you... How can you um, how can you hope uh, that God will heal in this situation, like in the emotional situation? I'm like, just just stick it out. Just it, it, time is is probably a thing, um, and and if you want to sit here for a week and say no, he didn't do anything, then uh, you know maybe something will happen, maybe it won't. But I do think there is a faithfulness and a hopefulness to just staying in the space, and that's what Thomas does. Who I mean, we we have no perspective on how many times they gathered in those eight days. Mm -hmm. Could have been one, could have been 20, could have been every day, could have been all day, every day. But Thomas stays. And, and, and there's no particular evidence that he's like, this is the last time. If he doesn't turn up today, I'm done. I think Thomas would still be there now if he was still alive, still waiting on some level. Yeah. Um, so, and I think another maybe, I mean, obviously, if that's you, like, just know that hope is part of what it means to be a healthy human. Being. Yeah. Like there's those quotes about like, you can survive this many days mm. without water, this mm. many days without food. You can't survive a single day yeah. without hope. So, um, so your soul needs something to hope in. Mm -hmm. Now, do, choosing maybe the right things to hope in is also a, a helpful tip. And yeah, we what just, are those things? And I, mean, I think the do story... Do we want to just say that's just Jesus? <laughs> I think so, yeah. in a lot of ways. And even both the stories, we just talked about two Sundays worth, mm -hmm. um, but we could go back into this entire series is actually this... It, the whole series, this Riptide series is like, okay, all of, their, all of these people that we're exploring throughout the series... Uh, encounters with Jesus post-resurrection mm -hmm. are their hopes have been dashed. Yeah, they're all in a place of hopelessness. I actually played with the title Hope in the Dark for the series, but yeah. Craig Rochelle wrote a book with the same title, and I was like, uh, ah, that seems a little... That punk. Yeah, no. I'm the, I'm so, the <laughs> um, um, But the, po the point is, um, each one of these stories is a reminder that um, not even death, not even mm. death is the end of a Jesus kind of story. Yeah. And so they, the road to Emmaus, they've given up hope. They're abandoning ship. They're running away from Jerusalem. And then he meets him and says, the story continues even post-death. Mm -hmm. Then Thomas, I've given up hope. Mm -hmm. I have to see. The story continues and continues. And so if you don't trust Jesus, okay, I understand that. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of th those sorts of things that could be happening. But may I suggest that experimenting with hoping in Jesus yeah. might be the safest place to start. And I'm not saying hoping in Jesus that makes your life way more easy or um, all, all sorts of things. It's just the most compelling grand well, story I think, possible. I think one of the that compelling grand story <laughs> idea I love, uh, uh, you know, to me, following Jesus is partly based on me, me having a sort of fundamental belief that he's the best explanation for the world. Mm -hmm. um, as it is created in its beauty, that his story reflects why it's broken and a hope for why it won't be one day. 
Um, so, so to me, the Jesus grand narrative holds me in a good place. Oh, man, um, so good. But, yeah. but, but also like this, and this is a G.K. Chesterton quote. I, I threw in the first part of this quote into the sermon, and I kept this second part for the podcast because um, it's, 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 it's oh, even we, more. You get yeah, special, yeah, it's special nuggets. It's even people. more intriguing. Like it just will play with you a little <laughs> bit. He passed in some superhuman manner through our human horror of pessimism like we we find pessimism terrifying we don't like pessimists when we're in that place we feel very comfortable especially us enneagram sevens when the world shook and the sun was wiped out of heaven it was not at the crucifixion but at the cry from the cross the cry which confessed that god was forsaken by god let the atheists themselves choose a god they will find only one god who ever uttered their isolation only one religion in which god seemed for an instant to be an atheist which is just fascinating language. I mean, this is just G.K. Chesterton. He's just pushing buttons best. But he's like, what does it mean for God on a cross to say God has forsaken me? Uh, why have you mm. forsaken me? There's this moment where the God of the universe looks around in the darkness and says, how did the story end up here? Um, and, and, and maybe your maybe you're, you're reading of that, and I'm not... I'm not saying you're wrong, but maybe your reading is just, it's just, well, it's the, it's the penal substitution thing, right? Like God is, you know, distant from his son because he's putting all the sin of the world on him. And yeah. that's definitely a post reading of the thing. In the moment when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If the other disciples are listening, that's almost the worst moment for them. Because that's the moment that they say, say Jesus has given up hope. Like he was the one that in the garden was like, don't fight. He was the one that was like, no, we're going through this. Yeah. But, but for them, for the women, I mean, imagine Mary, his mother listening. Imagine Mary. It's like, no, what? Jesus has lost faith. If Jesus in this moment doesn't believe anymore, why would I believe? There's a crushingness wow. to the original yep. moment that can't be explained theologically. by Even anyone. the garden, like his doubts yeah. in the garden, all of these moments. Yeah, and then the, the scriptures tell us, like in Hebrews, it says, like, in every way, tempted as we uh -huh. are, all of these kinds of things. That is Hebrews, right? Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. So, um, yeah, but there's something comforting. Like, so maybe if you're feeling guilt that you have doubts. Absolutely, that's, yeah, that's a great yeah. segue. Yeah, if you, if you feel guilty about doubt, Jesus is in that place, I would suggest, of the heart doubt, the, the existential doubt of this is this is the worst lowest moment it's not again it's not same with thomas it's not figuring out existential possibilities it's not hmm can god make a thing that he can't destroy or is the you know all of those different sort of problems that we could throw that give us a little bit of a deer in the headlights look uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not those it's this situation it's how did we end up here um, yeah. so, so when we hit those moments and find it hard to believe that, that God is caring for us in the situation, he's good to us in the situation, he's faithful. And it was funny on Sunday, we sang this song about, you know, all my life you have been faithful. And I, I just had this moment where I wondered how many of us feel that's true retrospectively when we look yeah. back. But but have had moments where we've said, this doesn't feel like faithful. I can tell you as a worship pastor, some of the things that we sing, and I feel this often, mm. I know that we're saying things and some people in the room, sometimes I'm the one of the people yeah. is like, I don't even know if I believe this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that. Yeah. Like all my life, you've been faithful, except for that one time where I prayed for this thing and I thought it was in alignment with your will and then it just blew up in my face. Uh -huh. And I'm like, but I'm saying it because I'm supposed to say it, and oh man, there's that's heavy. I, I mean, I mean, and and that's best case scenario, right? Sometimes it's oh, and the thing that I prayed for for 17 years and you didn't do, oh, the fourth miscarriage, oh, the like all of those different things that can come up. That mm -hmm. sometimes it's a yes, I see your faithfulness and presence retrospectively, but in so many moments I felt like you weren't there. Um, that that honest confession and we we actually had this so you for one are this sort of weird worship leader just as a compliment to you someone described me you to me as a unicorn once 
Someone said, like, Aaron's, Aaron's like a unicorn. He's like, he can think really well. He's really strategic. He sings delightfully. He can speak well. Like, this, like he's just got so many strings to this bow. And But he yeah. does kind of look like a caveman. <laughs> so but, there's that. But, but not too, no, yeah, just, before we go too far down the compliment line. It, there is, so there is a beauty when you sing that some worship leaders... Like, I look at them and I'm like, I don't think you've thought or felt anything. It's just like if I could get inside your head, it's just like an empty box of just singing songs. Yeah. That, that, that uh, definitely, well. I don't love that kind of worship leading. So I love that we have you leading us in those songs, knowing you've processed some of those things and knowing that the community know that you've processed some of those things because of the way you share in, in sermons. But for anyone who comes into a worship gathering, I'm pretty convinced, and we've talked briefly about doing something um, at some point in a sermon on why we sing yeah. and what that looks like. And, and, yeah. and I'm pretty convinced going back to that, what do you do when you find yourself hopeless? Um, and my sort of response of you keep putting yourself in the place of God's presence. Because I think on any given week, there's a bunch of people that sing joyfully um, and in a place of goodness. And there's a bunch of people that sing in a place of brokenness and doubt. And I'm pretty sure there's a group of people that come in and say, I can't sing today. And we as a community sing for them. Like we as a community join them, join in song and we almost sing over them. Yeah. For them. So I've, I've shared this maybe a couple times in the context of a worship service, but there was this massive aha moment for me as a worship leader um, one time because I was wrestling with this issue. There's times, even as your worship pastor, where I stand up there and I'm like not there mm. and I'm hurting and I'm not even sure I'm saying things that I believe. And I'm like, what do I do? There's like this tension of like, am I being inauthentic? Am I lying to the congregation? because I'm not feeling it right now mm. and I'm acting like I'm feeling it and all these sorts of things. And I was like, how do I, how do I wrestle with this almost duality in my soul? And I'm sure there's moments where you're there as totally, a preacher yeah. as yeah. well. Um, and, and as a front row worshiper, like yeah. just to me, like some, someone said to me the other day, you're just always so into the worship and always so I'm like, yeah, because it's a choice. Like, I mean, th there's moments where I stand there. I'm like, wish I could just sit here and watch everyone else. There's moments where I'm like, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, and I, I, that's one of the things I love about the way you think about those moments is, and this is a tip for everyone out there, you may not know this, and you may not even believe me, but you're affected, your worship is affected by the people around you, and their worship is affected by you. Yeah. So I'm not the only worship leader in the room. Every single human being that walks into a worship gathering is a worship leader. Mm-hmm. And you may not agree with that, but there's sociology studies that agree with that. There's historical yes. studies that agree with that. There's, uh, we as human beings cannot help but be affected by the presence of other mm. human beings and their engagement of a subject or a, of a gathering or whatever. So we're all leading each other and our willingness to lean into yes, it. So and so you do that on a Sunday morning. Part of it's intentional, part of it's authentic, part of it's all these things is you're like, I want to be part of a community that's leaning into this moment. And I think we've got, we've started to have this dangerous premise in so many things uh, around like around feelings. I've only been authentic when I feel like doing it. Totally. Well, there's times in a relationship you don't feel like loving your husband or wife, but still doing it is still authentic. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we've, while feelings are important, we just did a whole series on emotions believing that you're not being authentic when you are doing something you don't feel like doing. Um, I don't think that's a baseline truth that we can hold on to. Uh, and so someone said to me the other day that had someone in their church come to them and say, what, what can we do as leaders on a Sunday morning to help the church and its culture? You know, do you need us like welcoming on the doors? Do you need us doing kids, all these different things? And, and the answer to some of those things is yes. Yeah. But, but the answer he actually gave was if 50 of you could be in the service worshiping, worshiping passionately with abandon, that would change the culture of the church overnight. Yeah. I like, remember there's two, two Easter's ago. It was, was it, I think it was two Easter's ago. Um, we introduced graves into gardens for that Easter. Not last Easter, the Easter before. Yep. Easter 2000. And then, 
this one of the set one of the services the high school group yes. decided because they loved that song and they were excited about easter there was like this there's this really cool culture in a lot of in the youth group right now of some of these young leaders who are just like really passionate about jesus yeah. and so they decided we're we're just gonna own this mm -hmm. thing and so right when graves into gardens came up they actually walked right up in front of the stage and they just got after it yeah yeah and I don't, I think even if you are the person in the room who's saying, why are they approaching the stage? This isn't a concert. <laughs> you could not help but be moved. Yeah, in a yeah, the yeah, energy yeah. in that gathering was 10 times uh -huh. more powerful yeah. than any gathering I've been a part of at South Fellowship Church uh -huh. in, within the last three years. Yeah, yeah. It was just, yeah, it was. It was and it was. 12 high school students who decided, I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to get up front and I'm going to declare mm. that the grave is empty. Yeah. And isn't and that do it with energy? And isn't that a great, like, I mean, segue? To, I don't know how we got close. to this subject. <laughs> well, we, we, it's delightful. But it's, it's about worshiping and, yeah, and all this there you go. different things. But, but like the 12 high school mm. kids reference is the reminder of, well, these earliest disciples are they're 15 16 17 18 year olds the fact that jesus says to peter we need temple tax for you and i mm. suggests they're the only ones over 21 like no mm. one else is paying tax on temple entrance they're all children essentially um and so when we see 12 high school people change the culture of a service jesus picked 12 of them to help change the world um which is, is fascinating that, you know, when I spoke to these high schoolers the other day, I, I just said to them, you know, if you are in a community that says to you, wait 20 years before you do something, go and find another community um, because that's not what God has called you to do. Um, yeah. You're part of now, not part of then in the future. Yeah. Um, the so, church needs a little bit of young, maybe slightly naive, but passionate people. Yeah. Because that's part of what makes it. Yeah, I love I that. I preached some of my best sermons when I was young and naive and, and passionate. You know, I that's just, right. I also preached some of my worst sermons when I was in that age. As and now, sometimes it was the same sermon. So sometimes it was the it was, best yeah. and the worst. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, um, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so going back to this idea of Jesus doubting and, um, yeah, like he gets it. Yeah. He gets it. It's yeah. It's for him. It's felt as well, which is is a theological conundrum, and that's where the G.K. Chesterton idea comes in. That that plays with us a little bit because we like to believe that Jesus operated in certainty all the time, because he's Jesus, and and that makes us comfortable. I actually heard someone say once, "Well, Jesus wasn't a human; he was a superhuman." I'm like, yeah, Jesus operates in a superhuman way because he operates. In faith in his father, he does what he sees his father doing. But his humanity has to be real for the story to be real. Yeah, and I would, um, uh, gosh, I agree with you, but I'd maybe agree with you even more aggressively against what I they love said. It. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, I'm just like, I feel like if you don't, if you don't get how important, like Philippians two concept of this kenosis, or like, um, yeah, is that the word? The emptying of himself. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like throwing. I was like, Greek I don't know which word you mean. Like, like this last. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's so important. Like, if you th like, it's so unhelpful to say, yeah, Jesus obviously he can obey God because mm, he's yeah, God. Yeah, that's not a helpful. Statement. That's theologically, it's just wrong. The whole, like <laughs> yeah, Matt, it's Paul, wise. the apostle, spends a lot of energy in his writings trying to convince you of the opposite yes. that he. He operated, and even Jesus himself in the Gospels, he's saying he used his humanness to obey God, Absolutely. not his God. It's like the worst case scenario. God. It's both wrong and unhelpful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah just it's like, when you land there. And theologically, it's very um, important that you don't can, get this I one can wrong. I push into the, the wrongest. Now, I think a, a final point, <laughs> may, and maybe this is wrapping up because some of you have said occasionally, wow, you guys talk for a long time. Like, I don't necessarily want to hear you for 55 minutes and whatever. You know, we're at 34 right now. That's pretty good. Is that right? Yeah. No, yeah. we're at 48. Okay, it just says 34 on the screen. <laughs> we're at 48. That's, yeah, um, maybe, maybe that's a different thing. If you <laughs> have someone that you are in relationship with, the, that you're seeing going through these dark nights of the soul, all of those different things, sometimes that's a slightly different tweak on the mm. question. Like, it's, it's easy to say, um, what do I do? Or easier maybe to say, what do I do in these situations than what do I do with a friend who's really there? And I heard this beautiful modern parable uh, the other day. Uh, it's, it's a story of a, of a carpenter who moves to a town. 
and, and just just through his work and his care for people, he starts to become known as someone that can be relied on. And, and one of the men in the town experiences this great tragedy. Uh, and the carpenter is just the one that he finds solace in. They sit together. They, they drink whiskey at night in front of a fireplace. They have conversations about the, sometimes about the deep hurt that this man has been through, sometimes about just other things. And finally, the, the man says, well, I'm going to go to a pastor and get counsel on everything I've been through because I just, you know, I need someone mm. to speak into this. And, and, and so he goes to the pastor and the pastor explains to him theologically that it was good that he suffered because it would, you know, give him another level of faith in the future and all yeah. these different nice like theological answers. Like I almost said a little bit ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these, these little pithy sort of answers. <laughs> uh, and, and the man leaves a little discouraged, but he goes back to his friend, the carpenter, and he says, you know, well, I guess he must be right. Um, you know, somewhere there'll be a good answer for this. And, and the carpenter just looks at him and says, wow, if you had to suffer to know that God was good, that seems like the greatest sadness of all. Um, like they're just almost just, just a different counsel, a different type of wisdom. And, and they continue to sit together. And it, and it really, the point of the parable is that neither particularly the carpenter are right theological, theologically, nor the, the pastor are right theologically, neither right nor wrong. What, yeah. what the, the carpenter does is that companionship thing. He sits with him night after night. This isn't just a, a person that gives a message and then leaves. There's the companionship element to walking through a dark night of the oh, soul. Man. In the same way, if Thomas can just stay in the space, and he does, if we can just stay in the conversation with people and not necessarily have to give all of the right answers. And tying um, back to what you just said a little bit ago, the fact that Jesus understands he's the kind of companion that mm, stays. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Gosh, yeah, yeah. So and we are, we are so addicted to right answers. Um, the, the, we, we don't recognize the journey part. Well, if I can just get to an answer, there's something about the waiting period that's actually not as not, not as, as bad as is is important. So yeah, yeah, and it seems to be like Jesus is a little bit more comfortable with that than uh, yeah. than we are. Eight days, poor Thomas. Yeah, eight days. Well, I love it. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, if you have any questions, I just checked on. Um, I don't see anything right now. That's totally fine. Um, but feel totally free to drop fine. them in there because, like we did today we can retroactively start to answer questions. If you oh, are hearing this and drop the questions on Facebook or YouTube, your questions. Um, I, I try to check every week if there's questions from the previous week and we'll try and address them. Do Even the like, just subscribe a, yeah, thing. Just let us know what color shirts we're supposed to wear next week. This yeah. Week. Um, anything else to cover? I don't think so. All Love right. You guys see you on yeah. Sunday and or next week. Or and we're signing off. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this, so feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing, and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.